Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Go to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. The book of Hebrews, the fifth chapter, and verse 12. Hebrews chapter 5. Now you remember that we said, in, in really in connection with this, you know the same teachers and the same preachers have been given to the, uh, the fivefold ministry, given to the body of Christ for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man. Amen? That we henceforth be no more children being what? Tossed to and fro, carried about with everyone a doctrine. By the side of man and cunning, crafting this one by the lion, way to deceive. Now, we know that as believers, we have to grow up. But you see, sometimes we get carried off and get, get over to the meat of the word. And uh, those that are just young, just coming into the faith, they're trying to chew on that meat and they just can't swallow it. Because they need to have the bottle first. Isn't that right? And I'll tell you what, it'll do us all good to go back and get on that bottle for a little bit and just produce more meat in our lives. Amen. I believe that. As I was, matter of fact, I was meditating here and I said, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, look up something here and I'll tell you, it was, you may have been just getting into the milk of the word, but I'll tell you what, I just about shouted back there. I've been shouting back there for, you know, back there, that's my room back there. I shot back, that's my shouting room. Amen. And I've just been shouting about some things and I said, now Lord, this is fun. So we're just going to have fun. We're going to have freedom. We're going to have liberty. We're going to have fun. Let the Spirit of God, you know, do it. We're going to grow together. I heard Brother Hagin say on one of his tapes, he says, uh, I pastored a church for four years. He says, that's the longest I've ever pastored one church. And it took me four years to get that body to a place that the glory of the Lord would just fill the tabernacle. See, I could never do it in the other churches. He said, because I didn't have no, long enough time to get them in that kind of unity. But notice over there, our text said, until you come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man. He said, but if I can get them to stay together long enough and get them in this unity and get them in one mind and one accord, be of one mind, be of one accord, then I can get the glory to fill the tabernacle. You know? I said, Brother Hagin, thank you. <laughs> glory to God. I says, we're on our way. And we're just going to see the glory of the Lord just fill the tabernacle in such a way I believe we won't be able to enter in because of the glory of God. We might have to wait outside until the glory of God leaves and then we'll have to come in and then let it fall back down while we're in and then fall over. Amen. <laughs> I mean it. I mean, let's face it. These things, I, I don't know about you. I, I think it's for all of us. And no, it's for all of us. And God wants to reveal Himself to us like never before. And if they could get in the midst of all that glory under the old covenant, we got a new covenant established upon better promises, and we could surely get a lot of that glory. Isn't that right? Glory to God, and we're going to see it happen. Well, look at, let's get to our scripture here. The fifth chapter of the book of Hebrews. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. Underline that phrase, word of righteousness. For he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. Circle that word, exercised. Have their senses exercised to discern 
both good and evil. Now, you know, sometimes if you pray in tongues, and you should pray in tongues, especially when you're studying the Word. Some people don't know how to meditate the Word of God. And, uh, you know, you should murmur it, you should speak it. But also, if you're studying a passage of Scripture, pray in the Spirit for a while. I mean, right there. Just read the Scripture and then just start praying in tongues. I did that. I was just praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, and something seemed like a beam of light just came into my spirit. And uh, the Spirit of God will show some things and point some things out to you and show you things to come. Now, didn't the Scripture say that, How be it, when he the Spirit of truth has come, he'll guide you in all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak and show you things to come. He shall take a mind and show it unto you all things that the Father hath a mind. Therefore, I said, I have taken and show it unto you. Is that what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do? Well, see, he's supposed to do that. He's going to guide us in all truth. He's going to show us things to come. And that's the way he does it. You've got to pray in the Spirit. You've got to stay in the Spirit. He said over there, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. How be it in the Spirit, he speaketh mysteries. See, and sometimes you get yourself caught off in praying in another tongue. Someone say, what did you say? And I didn't say that to me. I said, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to the Lord. I was speaking divine secrets unto God. But the thing is, you know, if you're going to speak divine secrets, God's going to speak back to you. Isn't that right? And that's why we pray and speak unto God so he can speak back unto us. And the Holy Spirit said to me, look up that word exercised. Now, as I read in the Amplified Bible, I remember that one of the words there that was used to, to explain that word was trained. He's had his senses trained. Senses. Senses are the five physical senses. The senses pertain to the outward man. Remember Paul said, though the, inward, the outward man perished, the inward man is renewed day by day. We have an outward man, we have an inward man. We don't have two natures. Let me say that right now. You don't have two natures. If you are born again, you're born of God, you've got one nature, that's the nature of the living God. You are a partaker of the divine nature, 1 Peter 2, 2. 2 Peter 1, 2, whatever it is. 2 Peter 1, 2. Okay, you're a partaker of His divine nature, but you have the outward man. Okay? Now that outward man can be changed. And we're going to see that by the Scripture. But that outward man, His five physical senses have got to be dealt with. Remember over there that Paul said in Galatians, the fifth chapter, it's the spirit and the flesh that are warring or lusting after each other. It's the flesh or the senses lust against the spirit and the spirit against the senses. And these two are contrary one towards the other. So think about that. Now, he said over here, the reason why that they've not grown up and the reason why they've got to get back on the milk bottle is because they have not had their senses exercised. That word exercise is very important. When I looked it up, I said, whoa, glory to God, I never saw that before. The word means, to listen to this, to practice naked or to be nude or stripped. And I looked at that word and I said, Lord... Have your senses stripped, naked? And you know what? The Spirit of God spoke to me and said, Don't you remember? Back there when Adam was in the garden, how the glory of the Lord was to him a covering so that he was not naked. Adam and Eve did not look upon each other as being naked until sin came in their life and the glory was gone. And when the glory was gone, he says, I'm afraid, I'm ashamed, I am naked. Is that what he said? Let me say this to you right now. As clothing is to the body, 
to prevent us from being ashamed and being naked before the world. The glory of God is a covering over this body so that you could be presented before God unashamed. I'll show you the scripture. 2 Corinthians 5th chapter. Hold your place over there and we're going to go back to it. Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Verse one. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan being burdened. Not for that we should be unclothed. Not to leave this body and go to heaven. And, and that's what he's saying. Listen. But clothe upon that mortality. This outward man that he's talking about. The senses. The outward man would be swallowed up or clothed with eternal life. Look at verse 11 in the third, fourth chapter. For we which are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. It's already in your spirit, but he wants it manifest in your mortal flesh, your outward being. Now that is when you're going to start getting into the meat of the word. That's when you're going to start to produce the life that's in you, out of you. God doesn't want us to be babies all our lives. He wants us to grow up into Him in all things and begin to walk in the fullness of His power. Manifesting the life that is in me in this outward man. Walking as He walked. Now, back there in, in our scripture text, He says, you have not had your senses stripped from you. You see? And so those senses that are dictating to us is ca are causing us to walk before God and be ashamed before God. I don't want to be caught before God and be ashamed. I want to be clothed with something. Don't you? I want to be clothed even in this outward man. I don't want to be naked before God. And here's what he's saying. And I want to save this part for the meat. But this is what the intent is of us starting from here getting on the bottle, getting on the milk of the word, and growing to a place that we could walk as I'm going to say to you right now. This outward man will be put off, stripped, and you will put on the new man. Ephesians talks about putting off the old, putting on the new. And the only way you're going to do it is by understanding that you don't walk by what you see, hear, or feel. And you put off the toys of the senses, the sense realm, and you get into the spirit and let that word be a clothing unto you. And then you'll be fully clothed with the armor of God. And you'll walk with the breastplate of righteousness, the loins good about with truth, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, the shield of faith. And you will be glorious. Clothed with glory. That's what his purpose is. That's the purpose of us being here. Not so that we can just sit here forever and be babies for the rest of our life. So that we can go to a place of spiritual maturity in Him so that we can just walk off fully clothed with God and just be a blessing to others.
See? And that clothing, beloved, is righteousness. I'm going to show you something here in, in, in the Scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and 34. You know the Scriptures, I'm sure. Remember, okay, hold your... Find that, 1 Corinthians 15, and go back and if you didn't lose your place in Hebrews 5. Let's, let's look at these two Scriptures together and I'm going to show you. First Corinthians fifteen thirty four. Well, let's look at thirty three and thirty four. Be not deceived. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three. Be not deceived. Evil, evil communications, corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness, and sin not. I speak this to your what? See? Shame, 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 shame. You know he's saying, wake to righteousness and sin not. Well, let's look. Since you've got, go back to Hebrews 5. I'm going to show you. I told you underline something here. For every, verse 13. Verse 13. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of what? Awake to righteousness and sin not. I speak this to your shame. So you're walking in shame. You know what comes along with that shame? Inferiority, guilt, condemnation before God. You don't want to pray. You don't, you don't have any power to walk into the throne of God and, and, and get your petition because you felt as though you're, you know, you're, you feel unworthy. We're going by feelings. You feel unworthy. A lot of believers are in that state. They're just, they just, you know, they, they don't want to approach the throne of God. If I could just get brother so-and-so to pray or, or sister so-and-so, they'll pray and get the prayer answered. But I'm not going to pray because, you know, I just don't feel like, well, I just don't feel like I can just walk up there and just get, you know, get my prayer answered. Because they have not awakened to righteousness, right standing with God, and are babes in using the word of righteousness. Speaking the truth in love, the word, speaking the word of God in love will cause you to grow up. But you see, as that baby was born into this world, remember over there in 1 Peter 2, 2, where he talks about his newborn babies, as God is sincere among the word that you may grow thereby? As that baby is born into this world, unclothed. In verse 1, he told you, you're going to, have to, uh, you're going to have to depart or get rid of some of these things in your life first. In other words, strip yourself down to nudity. I'm talking about in this fleshly man. Okay? Strip it down to nothing and then start and take the word, the milk of the word, and begin to grow by putting on the new man. Putting on the new man. Speaking the truth in love. Growing up in him in all things. Putting it on, putting it on, putting it on. But look at the last part of this phrase. This is what I want to get into tonight. But strong meat, verse 14, belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use or habitual use have their senses exercised or stripped through practice to discern good from evil. Now, I want to use that last phrase. Remember what we said here? Evil communications, corrupt good manners. I'm going to use that last phrase to show you that there is a conflict, there is a warfare, there is a battle between good and evil and these baby Christians, and I'll, I'll say this, these carnal Christians did not discern or understand the difference between good and evil.
You say, that doesn't sound right. Well, listen. It's not just as black and white as you may, it may seem. Satan is deceiving. He's going to try to sneak things in there and make it look like God. And I'm going to say that the t teaching that we get in most of our churches are teachings that present condemnation and guilt and unworthiness to the believer. He's never taught who he is in Christ. He's never taught what he can do. He's not taught what God does and what Satan does. All he's taught that you're okay, you're saved. You're a, matter of fact, it starts just like this. You're a sinner saved by grace. And you sit back there in your pew and you say, yeah, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Look at old me, just a little old sinner. I'm not perfect. I'm just a sinner, just old saved by grace. And, you know, I'm just trying like a beggar, just trying to get through the heat and the cold. And uh, wait a minute. You were a sinner. You were saved by grace. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who you were. That's who you are. You were dead. He made you alive. In trespasses and sin, you are the righteousness of God. You can't change that by your actions. You are who God says you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Now he says that they have not yet discerned, got their, their senses stripped down to the place to where they could fully understand what is good and evil. Now doesn't that strike a bell there, good and evil? What tree did Adam partake of to, to make him naked before God? He partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'll tell you what. I would rather have all the knowledge of good than all the knowledge of, than have both the knowledge of good and evil. Wouldn't you? All he had at one time was the knowledge of good. All that God was and is is good. I wish I could get the whole body of Christ together just on the other side of a microphone and say, Body of Christ, God is all good. God does all good. God won't do evil. He doesn't do evil. And holler it as loud as I could and say, this guy here, he's the devil. Satan does evil. All evil comes from the devil. And maybe that'll shake them up so they can realize that God's not the cause of their problems. Doesn't it stand a reason that in the beginning when, when there was, when Adam did not join up with Satan, there was no sin, sickness, disease, death, or evil, or wickedness in, in his being? But all of a sudden, when he joined up with the devil, he's got sickness and disease and death and poverty and all this stuff comes in and thorns and thistles and etc., the curse and etc., and etc., etc. And it doesn't seem to you and me that when the devil is finally eliminated from all human contact, that we're not going to have any more pain or sorrow or sickness or disease or evil or calamity at all. Who's the source of evil? Say it again. Who does all the tempting and testing and trying of the saints? Okay. Now, we're going to show that to you by the Word of God, but I want you to see something else here. Let's go back to 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter. You know, these are just basic principles, but we've got to thoroughly understand them if we're going to grow up spiritually, if we're going to grow up into the things of the Spirit of God, if we are going to mature. The worst thing for anybody to believe is that God is the one that's doing their tempting, testing, or trials, or God is the one that's causing these calamities to come upon them. For any reason, for any purpose. Because, beloved, that kind of thinking will put you in a place of double-mindedness. We've got those that will say that, well, I'm just sick because God wants me to be sick and teach me a lesson. Well, may I ask you this? If that's true, 
then uh, how do I know when the devil made you sick or when God made you sick? How do you know which one did it? If the devil made you sick, you'd resist it, wouldn't you? Aren't you told to resist the devil and he'll flee from you? Well, if, the, if God made you sick, would you resist it? Would you resist it if God made you sick? If God did it to you and said, I want you to be sick for about three days, wouldn't you say, okay, I'll let down be sick? Well, you'd have to come to a point in your life that you'd say, well, now, I don't know whether God did it or the devil did it. I'm going to sit down and write out and figure out which one did it. Or is it a lot easier to say that the devil is the author of all sickness and all disease. He's the author of all evil. So evidently, every sickness and disease is coming from the devil. Evil comes from the devil. So I just sit back and say, I'm going to resist every one of them. Now you're not double-minded. But if you're double-minded, you know what James said about a double-minded man? He's unstable in all his ways and he won't receive anything from the Lord. Healing, wisdom, anything from the Lord. See? And that's the teaching that's going on into the body of Christ that's caused them to be double-minded. You go to one place and you say, well, you know, God's making you suffer for this and that and this and that and so on and so forth. And it's all evil and calamity, but God did it. You go to another church and they say, well, no, God is not the author of evil. Satan is. And you say, well, I went to this church and heard that. I went to this church and heard that. It's time you're going to have to find out and go to one church. Hear the word of God. Take the word of God. Don't listen to things that will cause uh, your spirit to be filled with guile, double-mindedness. Because when you do, beloved, you will never, ever, ever grow in the Lord. You'll never grow. You'll never grow up in the Lord. You just won't be able to do it. 1 Timothy 6.12 I want you to see something here. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Now, the word lay hold, or the word hold there, lay hold, but the expression that's used here, well, let's, let's back up first. Let's go back up to the word fight. First, the word fight. The word fight. It means to contend, to compete for a prize. The word fight there in the Greek. I'm giving you a Greek rendering of that word. It means to contend with or to be in a contest for, let's say, for a prize, whatever the prize might be. But you're, you're fighting. Fight. The good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. You're in a contest. Okay? You're in a warfare. But really, the implication here is more, more of the fact that you're in a contest and you're fighting. You're contending for a prize. There's a prize to gain. And you are contending for it. Actually, I think Jude said it like this, contending for the faith. Contend for the faith. So you're in a contest. You're, 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 you're going to fight. Now, he said, lay hold on eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith. If you're in a warfare, if you are in a fight... If you have an, matter of fact, one translation I think says it like this, contending with an adversary. Contending with an adversary. If you're playing any kind of sports, no matter what it is, if it's football, you've got another team on the other side. You've got an adversary, isn't that right? You're on this side, you've got a team on the other side. Most believers don't know that they're in a warfare and they're fighting a fight. You've got someone to contend with. You've got somebody who is contesting you. Okay? You have an adversary. Fight the good fight of faith. Let's go on. Lay hold. The word lay hold means to seize. 
to seize, to capture, to seize it. You know, over there in Matthew, when uh, Jesus says, up until the time of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has suffered violence, but the violent take it by force. Well, the f word force there is uh, identical meaning. It's, it means to seize. The violent, they seize it. They take it by force. Do you remember when uh, uh, Joshua and Caleb and the ten spies, the other ten spies went before Canaan's land and they were there and God already promised them the land and it was all their inheritance and all they had to do was go in and take it by force? Just go right on in and take the entirety of the land? But when they got there to the land, they came back with an evil report, an evil report. But Joshua and Caleb came back with a what? With a what? They have not yet rightly discerned and got their senses exercised to discern good from evil. Now think about that. One came back with the evil report. One came back with the good report. Joshua and Caleb saw good when the other ten saw the evil. They didn't know that God was the author good. They didn't know that God was more than enough. They didn't know that God could get him through there and defeat the enemy. See, they, even though God told them that he would do that, they didn't know that. Because their senses, their outward man, they, were, they, they didn't understand it. They didn't know how to walk by faith. They didn't know how to fight or contend with the enemy. You have an adversary out there. That adversary is going to try to make you sick. That adversary is going to try to make you poor. That adversary, he's going to try to put calamity on you, trials on you, tribulation on you. He's going to try to do everything he can do to you if you will let him. Don't you remember over there in 1 Peter, the fifth chapter, he says, Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. But the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout all the earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts are upright towards him. So the devil's walking and blessed be God, God is running. And he's on my side and your side. Isn't that right? So listen. The evil comes from the devil and the good comes from the Father God. I just made a, a line, you know. Every football game, you got a line of scrimmage. There's the line right there. Line of scrimmage right there. And on this side of the line, I put God, righteousness, love, joy, peace, health, healing, prosperity, blessing. And on that side of the line, I put Satan, cursing, calamity, sickness, disease, and evil. The dividing line of the Bible is John 10.10. 10. The thief cometh not but for to do what? Steal, kill, to destroy. I put all that on that side. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I put that on this side. And then when you get your, you know, you've got to get out there in combat. You've got to get out there and, and be, you know, on the warpath. And the devil's trying to come at you with sickness and disease and calamity and evil and wickedness and testings and tryings. And he's trying to intrude into your territory. In football, they call that encroachment. Coming on to the other side. Well, you just get that line and you just get the blood of Jesus and you just put across that line the blood of Jesus of Nazareth. And you put behind that bloodline the word of your testimony. And when the enemy comes in at you, you stand there with the blood of Jesus and the word of your testimony and say, Devil, I double-dog dare you to cross that line. You tell him just like that. Say, Mr. Devil, I dare you to come across that bloodline. He couldn't come across that bloodline. If he did, he got saved. <laughs> and there ain't no going to be no saved devil. If the devil could get through that blood, he'd be saved, wouldn't he? Amen? And so he can't be saved. Amen? What do you think he meant when he said, if you just dwell in the secret place of the Most High and abide in the shed of the mighty, he'll be your refuge, your fortress, your God, and you, you'll trust. 
He'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the noise and pestilence, and from the wickedness and all the evil and all the calamity. No evil will befall you and no plague come nigh your dwelling. Trouble is, are you dwelling in the secret place of the Most High? Or are you covered by the blood? Has the blood been transfused into your very being? Is the word alive in you, see? I want to establish this one point, but I've got to get it across. I'll get off the preaching here in a minute. Evil comes from who? Good comes from who? Sometimes the devil make it, makes it look like, well, God's just trying to test you, tempt you, and try. It looks like that. I know from the outward appearance that sometimes it looks like that. But, beloved, you want to hold on to something? You remember over there, Spirit of God showed me this. Remember over there in the book of Acts where, when, uh, you remember when Peter and John, after they got the lame man healed, and they was cast in the, in, in, aside and they, were, they wanted to whip them and beat them and say, don't you preach no more in the name of the Lord Jesus. Remember that? And the chief priests and the elders came unto him and told all these things. And, and Peter and John went back to their own company, reported all the chief priests and elders said. It goes on to say, they said, Thy Lord, behold the threatenings and grant thy service all those that speak thy word. By stretching forth your hand and heal. Signs and wonders may be done by the name of the Holy Child. Remember all that? And the place was shaken. They just assembled together. Remember the power of God came down and they was all, they was all shaken. The, the place was shaken when they assembled. They were all filled. See what the Holy Ghost spake the word of God. And then it says on down there that they, there was great grace among them. Great grace was among the people. We're talking about grace. But this, in this scripture there, it says there was great grace amongst them. See? Great grace. Now listen. They were in one accord and they were in one mind. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Be like-minded. How many times are we told to be like-minded? You know, some people have the audacity to say that well, we're never going to believe alike. But the Bible teaches us to be like-minded. You may have your little, you know, things that you want to talk about in the Bible that you may, it's not necessarily, you know, something that's going to be major that it's going to cause any problems. You may have your idea that the rapture's coming here, there, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. Those kind of things are not going to hurt anybody. But when it comes to major doctrines, you, beloved, have got to be like-minded. Number one on your like-minded chart under this roof should be evil comes from good comes from whether you understand it, whether you don't understand it, evil comes from the devil, good comes from God. I'll give you the scripture. James, the first chapter. If that's the only point I get across tonight, that's the point I want to make. He said the first thing that will show forth spiritual growth is us understanding the difference between good and evil. Isn't that what he said? You've not yet discerned. You've not yet got your body, your senses stripped down to understand the difference between what is good and what is evil and where it's coming from. Okay. James, the first chapter. The entire chapter is talking about temptations, testings, and trials. You go up there to verse 12. Blessed is the man that endured temptation, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of who? Are you a man in this place today? Let no man say when... And the word translated tempted means tempted, tested, or tried. Let no man say... Do you honor God's word? Do you think that James wrote that for nothing? And may I also say this, don't try to prove this out by the Old Covenant. 
because you don't live under the old covenant and you've got more light in the new covenant. And James was the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus. And Jesus probably told him this when he was, you know, ministering to him at the house. Think about it, you know. I mean, he, James got all this wisdom from who do you think he got it from? I mean, he may not have been converted yet, but he sit and listened to probably everything that he said. You know, he was probably with him in the synagogue and so on and so listen to what he said and said, boy, this, this, what does that guy think he is? But when he got born again, when he received the life and the nature of God in him, he knew. And he said, let no man say, no man, that means woman too, no man or woman, let no man say that when I'm tempted, I am tempted, tested, or tried of God, for God cannot be tempted and neither tempteth he any man. God can't be tempted with what? He can't, huh? See? Evil. Okay, let's go on. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. And there's a lot of beloved brethren that are in error. Every what? Good gift is from where? And cometh down from above. From who? Oh, glory to God. He's not the father of darkness. He's the father of lights. You know, we said that scripture over there in Habakkuk, third chapter in the third and fourth verse. Light beams come out of his very person. He's the father of lights. There's no darkness in light. We have been called to the inheritance of the saints in light. We are now in the light. We are walking in the light. There's no darkness in light. Darkness is included with all that's evil. Isn't that right? Isn't that the truth? Isn't that what the Word teaches us? So he says, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Let e don't any man ever say that when you're tempted, tested, or tried, that it's coming from your Father God. Don't ever say that. I don't question it. I just walk in the light of it. I just do what he said to do. If James said that and meant that, well then, bless God, it's got to be true. If it's not true, then throw that page out of your Bible. Throw it away. Amen. It doesn't work that way, does it? Okay, let's go on. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, wherefore that we should be a, a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, so to speak, so to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Get back into this righteousness. He's a babe in righteousness. He's a babe in the word of righteousness. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. I want to tell you something right now. When you get yourself under, when the devil's got you almost to where you're whipped and you think it has come from God, there are some that get wrathful towards God. You hear me? I said some get bitter towards God. You know there are many that have been tempted to a place to where they turn their backs on God. I, I could tell you a few I know myself. They have to turn their backs on God. Think about that. If the temptation and attempts and the trials of your life caused the person to turn his back on God, you mean to tell me that God caused that person to turn his back on him? Did God do that? Why would God test get me out to a place? To where I've under so much pressure. And some people will say, well, God's just testing your faith. Where well, I'm so under so much pressure that I just say, well, let's just forget all this. And you, I don't know about you, but I know many that have done it. And says, I just forgotten about this Christianity. One came to me and said just like this. I thought God wouldn't allow me to be tempted above that which I'm able. I said, well, that's true. He won't. She says, nah. I got tempted above that which I was able and I turned my back on God and I said, forget it. I don't want to serve God. Now she did. Now, beloved, let me say this to you. She was taught that God did that to her. 
And she figured, well, I just can't take this any longer. I'm not going to live like this any longer. So she just turned her back on God. Said, I'm just not going to live for God. I, I don't want to. And she go to church. You know what the church people say? God is molding you. <laughs> and you know what I say? Devil, get back where you belong. Get back on the other side of that bloodline. If you cannot recognize that it's coming from the devil, you will never resist it. You've got to come to this point to grow right now in your life. All good comes from God and you're in error if you say God did it to you. And I'm going to give you another scripture back, back up here to the, fourth, to the 13th verse. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. The word there that's used in, in the Greek text that's, defi- that's translated of God means God does not tempt you directly. In other words, He is not the one that is responsible for it. And that could have been the u- translation of that word. But it was not that word that was used. It was another word. And it means God will not tempt you directly or indirectly or even for a purpose is the definition of the word or the translation of the word that's used there. Let no man say when I am tempted, I am tempted directly or directly of God for any purpose. That's exactly the best translation, a literal translation of that scripture right there. For any purpose. He's got no purpose to do that to you. Beloved, I think it's time we start to realize that the war is over. People go back to Abraham and say, what about Abraham? They go back to you. Let me say something to you. Did you fight the civil war? Did you fight the civil war? Are you reaping the benefits of the civil war? Are you enjoying the freedom that you got from the civil war? Do you have to go out there and put on your banner and bayonet and, and go out there and put on your uniform and go out and start shooting and killing just to, just to get freedom in this country? Aren't you just walking around and enjoying the liberty and the freedom of the victory that's already been won? May I say that we live on this side of Calvary? May I say that Jesus beat the devil at, in death? He destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil. He brought to naught him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Satan is brought to naught and he's declining to his end right now. And you and I are reaping and enjoying the liberty and the benefits of the cross and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's walk in freedom. This is a new generation. This is a new dispensation. The dispensation of new creation, people. Let's walk in the light of it. I don't got to go back there and live like they lived. I don't got to do what Abraham did. I am living in this dispensation. A dispensation where Jesus is on the throne and we are born again of God. And His life is in us. And now, are you ready to join the fight? You're not going to fight the devil. You're not going to fight the good fight of faith with your adversary. Or I like that. It's in a contest. You know, if you're going to weigh out a contest, you put one team on one side. Remember over there in Luke's Gospel where uh, Jesus was saying that no, no king is going to sit down and, and, and have a war or fight a war, go out to war and fight with another king unless he sits down and counts, the, counts to see whether or not he has enough power on his side to defeat the other side. But if he sees that he does not have enough strength on his side to defeat the other side, then the weak one is going to make peace. He's going to send an ambassador to make peace. Isn't that right? Isn't that what Jesus said? And when an ambassador goes and makes peace, they're going to have a covenant together and there's not going to be no war. There's not going to be any fight. Well, are you ready for this? In the warfare of life and death, and we, that's, that's, the Bible is a revelation of a warfare between life and death. It opens up with the two words, life and death. 
Satan against God. Man happens to be created and has the choice of joining the tree of life or the knowledge of good and evil. Life will make him one with God. Knowledge of good and evil will make him one with the devil. You know the story. He, he joined, he chose to join Satan. Isn't that right? Okay, after the covenant, after you go back to Deuteronomy when the law was given, we find out that he told that. Matter of fact, let's go back there. Deuteronomy, the, 20, the 30th chapter. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Up until this time, death reigned. Remember? Death reigned from Moses, from Adam to Moses. How many of you know that scripture? Death reigned from Moses to Adam. Isn't that right? Adam to Moses. Isn't that right? Death reigned. Okay. But when the law came, the covenant was made when the law came... Over here in verse 15, man again for the first time had a choice to join forces with God. Look at the scripture. See, I have set before you this day, this is the 30th chapter, verse 15. I have set before you this day life and good. Who does good? Who came to bring life? Okay, and death and what? Who's the author of death? Who's the author of evil? Okay, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord your God and walk in His ways to keep His commandments and statutes and so on and so forth. And you go on down here to verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and... Okay, blessing and... See, put blessing on your side. Okay. What does he say to choose? Man didn't have a choice before this. Unless, you know, we go back to Adam. Adam had a choice between life and death. Blessing and cursing. Okay. He could have chose life, but he chose death. Now, the law comes. The commandment comes. The Lord speaks to them and says, I have given you a choice. You could live in life or you can join with death. You can join with blessing or you can join with cursing. Let's go on and read the rest of it. Blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that you, you and your seed may live. Back up in verse 15, he included in that life and death, he also included evil and good. Now here it is. Jesus has come. He came to produce what? Okay. That's called the law of the spirit of life in who? Okay, what are the laws working in the earth? The law of sin and death. Okay, now, here's the law of the life in Christ Jesus. Here's the law of sin and death. What comes in this law? The law of life comes life, healing, blessing, health, prosperity, all that. On this side, you've got death, you've got cursing, evil, calamity, all that. It's all on this side. You have a choice today to choose life or to choose death. You could join in the side of life or you can join forces with the side of death. Okay? You have that choice. Now, since the warfare began, as I said, and Adam fell, when the law came, they had that choice. Now that Jesus has come, you have that choice. Every one of us can choose life and blessing and health and healing and to walk in all the blessings of God. That's good. But we also can choose death, cursing, calamity, sickness, disease, and evil. All that comes on the other side. Now, in your spirit, listen carefully. 
In your spirit you have the law of the spirit of life working in you. But in your flesh you have the law of sin and death working in you. Your body's not been glorified yet. Now you ready for this? When you begin to let the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus work its way from the inside through the renewing of your mind so that your body can be full of light, then the law of the spirit of life will be working in your spirit, soul, and body to produce life, health, healing, all that from the inside to the outward man, and you will be controlled by the law of the spirit of life. You will live under the shadow of the Almighty. You will live under the blessing. And the curses, when they come, they won't be able to affect you. That's what he meant when he said, There shall no evil befall thee, and neither any plague come nigh your dwelling. No evil shall befall you. I don't know about you. I don't get upset when evil comes my way. I mean, you know, people just think, they just get off there and they start to have a pity party and they want to know, what, what did I do wrong and all this and that. I'll tell you what right now. I just say, Father God, in Jesus' name, that devil ain't got no right to come on my territory. And if I open up the door, forgive me in Jesus' name. Now, devil, you get I shouldn't have a sob story. Because Jesus is greater than the devil. And the blood is greater than all the sickness and disease and sin of the world. And the life of Jesus in me is far greater than the death the devil put in me before I got saved. And he could take all his evil and cursing and calamities and get them on his side and keep them there. Isn't that right? But you see, if you think that God's doing all these things, you will never win. You'll never live victorious in this life. You'll never be able to do it. So now here's this king. You see, he has to count the cost. He's got to see if he's got enough strength. And here you are. And here I am. The battle's been won. God tells you you can have the law of spirit of life. You can have the law of sin and death. You're in the middle. You're looking. You have a choice. You sit down and find out who's got the strongest army. And you begin to count and you say, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, all the angels, the name of Jesus, that's a name that's above every name, that at that name, every knee shall bow, whether they be in things in heaven, things in earth, or under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Then you slip over to the back of the book of Revelation. You get a peek at the results of the war, and it says, the devil lost, and Jesus won. <laughs> and after you've counted the cost, and you've weighed out who's got the more power and strength, whose team do you join? <laughs> whose team do you join? You join God's team. You begin to walk in the power of God. Let's go to Mark's Gospel, the third chapter. I'm going to share some of these things with you because I want to show you how deception gets in. There's a lot of things I want to show you tonight. I want to show you the battleground. I want to show you a lot of things, but grab a hold of some of this here. You, see, you, you may say, I don't fully understand it. Just understand this. James said, under the anointing of God, don't ever say when you're tempted, tested, or tried that God did it. Just don't say that. And just say, well, I'm just going to accept the Word of God by faith. And say, praise God, Father, I know that you didn't do it. I'm just going to just believe what the word says and he did say to say that so don't say that okay look at look at mark the third chapter we're talking about people that have not yet discerned good from evil 
This is going to be your first putting off, stripping down of this outward man so we can begin to put on. So put this off of you that God doesn't do that and put this on you that every good gift, every perfect gift, if you've got to walk around your house every day in the midst of calamity, I mean in the midst of evil, in the midst of sickness, in the midst of disease, if you've got to walk around and say every good gift and every perfect gift comes from, from above, from the Father of lights, there's no verbs, no sh- God doesn't change from that. My Father God is good and gives all good gifts and I'm His child and I receive all those good gifts. Any evil comes from the devil, devil get. I mean, you do that. If you've got to walk around and do it and do it and do it and do it and do it, I do it all the time. I mean, you know, you'll get to a point to where you'll just get so filled up with the fact that God does the good and devil does the evil, that you'll be led by the Spirit of God just like that. You'll stop and just say, well, that's not good, so it can't be from God. People have a hard time understanding what's God and what's not God. They say, I don't understand God speaking to me, God sent me to do this. Follow what's good, follow what's lovely, follow what's love, full of love, and you're following God. The Spirit of God spoke to you, you think the Spirit of God spoke to you, and said, give brother so-and-so ten dollars. And you're going to, was that God? Was that me? Or was that the devil? The devil didn't tell nobody to give anybody ten dollars. <laughs> it was the devil who was telling you, say, that was me. One God. Keeping your back. See? I, I learned this instantly. Instantly obey the voice of the Spirit. Because you'll be able to understand. I was, I was playing... And I played guitar. I used to play at the first church, one of the first churches I ever went to. And I was just playing up there, you know. And uh, here's this fellow next to me. He's got a nice Lincoln Continental, nice, beautiful car, nice Lincoln Continental, trailer home. And, and, and uh, I'm, I'm standing next to him and I'm playing over there, you know, and I'm just working, man, working down the mill. And, and the Spirit of God spoke to me and says, give that fellow 20 bucks. And I said, him? Him? I said, Lord, Lincoln Continental? See, you get your senses in the way. Lincoln Continental, trailer home. Uh, you, know, you, you want me to give him? For what? Well, I missed it. <laughs> Not really missed it. He took off before the service was over. Before the, he took off before I was still playing. And he took off before the, you know, with the altar call. And he took off and I didn't see him. And he was going away to California. I began to sweat. I don't know about you. I don't like to miss God. I don't like to miss God. You better be on the safe side and just, it's God, do it. And so uh, he was on his way. I mean, he's taking off. And so I got uh, an envelope. And I didn't know where he was, where he was going. I didn't know where he lived or anything like that. And I put, put it in an envelope and I took it over to the preacher's house. And because he said he's going to see him before he left, I said, You give this to him. And before he left, I got a phone call and said, Man, he said, I want to tell you, I needed that. I needed that. See, beloved, the Spirit of God knows. He's telling you to do what's good. That's good. Isn't it good to give somebody who needs help? Well, you see, that's God doing that. It's very simple. Once you start to realize what's good and what's evil, you'll know what's God. Because, you see, everything on your side, on the good side, on the love side, every, just follow the divine flow of love. Everything that's good is coming from your Father God. And you'll begin to recognize that. And everything He tells you to do, you, you know it's going to be good. So if anything comes that's going to cause any strife, division, or envy, or anything like that, that's not coming from God. That's a very good way to understand how to be led by the Spirit of God. Over here in Mark's Gospel, the third chapter, um, we see something that is astounding. Something, I know you've read it and you probably commented on it, but I don't think we've ever given enough attention. We should give it all the attention that it, that it really needs in this one area to, to get us free from this idea that God is doing some of these things that He's accused of. I heard somebody say it like this. 
If God did half the things that the body of Christ accuses Him of doing, He'd be in jail for the rest of His life. If He lived on the earth. Well, let me say this. To, and I'm, just going to, I'm giving you examples. I don't mean to offend anybody. I'm just giving you examples because I know some of you people, and, 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 and not, I'm not exempt from it. Every one of us, we're all the same. We're living in the same world, you know. Same flesh, same everything, same devil. But, you know, and some people get really hurt. They may lose a child, a calamity that happens. And listen, I want to sympathize with everybody. I mean, I don't want to see that ever happen. I've got compassion towards people. I don't want to see that happen. But they say, well, God took that life. Now, beloved, wait a minute. The thief cometh not but to do three things. Kill, steal, kill, and destroy. Either the word doesn't mean anything or it does. Either that's God's... Jesus said those words, by the way. Jesus said those words. Okay? If God took that child's life, if he was living on this earth, he would be tried and convicted. Wouldn't he? Wouldn't he? And if he did half the things that he was accused of doing, he'd never get out of the penitentiary. Never. I can't see that. I can't see how people could even think that. That's why they don't begin to grow. They accuse their father God of doing things that he does not do. Look at right here at the classic example. In the synagogue, he entered again into the synagogue and there was a man with a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man, stand, uh, which had the withered hand, stand forth. And he said unto them, Is it lawful to do what? On the Sabbath days, or to do what? To save life, or to what? Okay. But they held their peace. And when he had looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and the hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. But that's not even the, the, the worst of it. Go on down. He healed them and then he cast out some devils. Go on down to verse 22. And the scribes just came down from Jerusalem and said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. And he called unto him and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? He was healing the sick, he was casting out devils, and they were angry at him and said, By the devil you're doing these works. He said, If a kingdom be divided against itself, the king of good is who? The kingdom of darkness is whose? If a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself he, and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. No man can enter into a, good, a strong man's house and spoil his good, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. Listen to me. If no house can stand against and be divided against itself, can stand. Not even Satan's kingdom. Don't you think that law applies to the household of God that God does not, is not divided and He does not stand against Himself? So either sickness and disease and evil and calamity are in Satan's kingdom or they're in God's kingdom. God is not divided. Now let's go to the scripture. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed 
Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing what? And healing all, all that were oppressed of who? Who did the good? How many did he heal? All. Who were they oppressed of? Who, how many of them were oppressed of the devil? How many? All that he healed and all the cast out, they were oppressed of who? Good was done? Remember over there when Peter and John cast, uh, took the man, lame man by the, by the hand and he, he, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. He leaping up, stood walking into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And he said, by his name, through faith, his name made this man strong and whole. You see who you see and know? This faith made this man strong. And when they were accused and said, what happened? And who did this? And they went before the elders and they said, if you mean, by what means was this good done to this man? The what? By the good that was done to this man? Every good gift cometh down from who? All right. I don't know why for the life of me I could teach on this and teach on this and explain this and then five minutes later someone will walk up and say, I don't believe none of that. Oh, I mean, you know, oh, God was really putting me on a test this week, boy. He did this to me, did that to me. I don't know where our minds are. You're never going to grow. You're never going to understand. You're never even going to begin. I, I like to say it like this here and this is a shame. It, it, it's a shame. I don't want to walk around spirit heaven with a bottle in my mouth. I don't want to do that. I don't want to walk on this earth with a bottle in my mouth. Can you imagine seeing us all in here, sitting down here, and says, okay, it's quarter after eight, let's all get our baby bottles out and have a drink. But, beloved, I mean, I'm, I'm being serious and sincere as I can. As newborn babes Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. By putting off from you. Go back to that scripture. I've got to show you that scripture. 1 Peter 2, 1. I have got so much going in my spirit right now. I've got so much I want to give right now. Glory to God. Spirit of God is, and I like to share these things with you for encouragement. And I believe He wants me to. He's saying to me, if we could get in one mind and one accord, we could get to a place, and I'm talking about these major things, knowing the Father God, understanding, then when we collectively join ourselves together, in one mind. They knew where death came from. They knew where sickness came from. They knew where disease came from. They didn't go back and complain and start to scream and holler and, and you know, God did this to me and, they, you know, God made them put, stri put stripes on my back. They knew it came from the devil. They, you couldn't tell one of them apostles that today. And I they, they, they just wouldn't believe it. They just look at you and say, I don't, I don't believe that this will happen to the body of Christ. They treated... Peter was so... Fool of God, when he walked in the presence of Anus, he said, Anus, how many years did he make his bed, couldn't walk? See, just Christ maketh thee whole. Up and walk. 
I believe, beloved, that the body of Christ today is gaining such a knowledge of God that we are being filled with such, such knowledge of the glory of God and that we are growing to a place in God that we'll be able to walk upon the face of the earth and surpass the power that the apostles had. I mean that. Glory to God and get beyond the babyhood stage and the childhood stage of Christianity and begin to walk in the power of this resurrection. And let God manifest Himself through us like He wants to. And there'll be no question where these things are coming from. 1 Peter 2. Wherefore, verse 1, laying aside all malice, all guile, all hypocrisies, all envies, all evil speakings, and that's evil speaking, as newborn babes. How many of you know newborn babes can't talk? Let me say this so you can, I can get it across to you so you can understand it. What he's saying here, and sometimes we just take the latter part, verse 2. As newborn babes desire sincere, I just desire sincere milk of the word, I'm going to go thereby. No. He said, lay aside from you these outward manifestations of the flesh, wrong thinkings, evil speakings, guile that's in you, and all these double-mindedness and all these thoughts, lay them aside as a newborn babe doesn't have that to contend with. That's why you can get a baby and teach him that that Jesus is the healer? Uh, I had to laugh before I just come on over here. Lisa's over there taking a bath and, and BJ, you know, he likes to just get in there and, and uh, do some things, you know. Like shut the door on her foot. She didn't think I heard that, but I heard that. And so he, you know, she sent over there. She started, she started crying a little bit. He, he shut the door on her foot. And, you know, and he, he got a little bit upset, I guess. And he looked at her and said, In the name of Jesus, be healed. I heard it from the, from the back. I said, oh, glory to God. He figured, well, if I shut the door, I fully thought, pray for him. In the name of Jesus, be healed. That's all that little boy knows. That's all that little boy knows. Now, it's not going to take any of them. As a newborn babe, fill up yourself with this thought. The word is true and get away all, from all this double-mindedness. Well, I've got to close. Glory to God. That's all. Go back to the book of James. Close it, brother. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.